0: Welcome to the
1: MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss email list building tactics and must-know email marketing strategies. Joining us is Emily McGuire, who is the customer evangelist at AWeber, which delivers powerfully simple email marketing software for small businesses. And today, Emily and I are going to discuss understanding email marketing strategies. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Emily McGuire, a customer evangelist at AWeber. Emily, welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Excited to have you as a guest on the show. Excited to learn a little bit about email marketing and your timing is perfect. We are relaunching our newsletter soon. Beautiful. Yeah, we've built a list. We've got a couple hundred people that follow us. And honestly, our content kind of stinks right now. All we're doing is recirculating old episodes. And so we're bringing on a super special secret guest that I can't talk about yet. That's going to be actually writing newsletters and doing commentary about what's happening in the MarTech industry. So we got to figure out some ways to actually get our newsletter out there, get it published. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about some email marketing strategies and what do we need to know to get off the ground?
2: So email marketing strategy in general has obviously changed a lot over the years as digital marketing and MarTech has evolved itself. And I think a lot of people still think of email marketing as newsletters in a traditional sense as this sort of paper newsletter from the print days where people sit down and read 10 to 20 articles of very diverse topics. And now we are competing with so many different distractions in our lives that 10 to 20 topics is often overwhelming. So what I really recommend to folks who are trying to get a handle on their newsletter is really simplifying the content of it instead of putting, again, like 10 articles or here's the roundup of the week, although that might be appropriate for some audiences and some goals. If you have goals around converting people in your newsletters to a paid service or hopping on a sales call or whatever that might be simplifying the content of it and getting people to your call to action will help guide them and their focus to what you want them to do.
1: I appreciate the history lesson and I actually want to take it back a level too. You mentioned, well, all right, people think of newsletters as this relic from the hangover of the newspaper era. People, gosh, used to read books or You know, going the way back machine, you know, we used to chisel stuff into tablets (laughs) and let's not call that long form content. That was more like the original tweet, but we've gone through this sequence where we've gone from books that can be passed around to newspapers that were disposable. And we tried to migrate that into a digital format in newsletters. And I think most people think of email marketing as a one to many form of communication But honestly, most of the email actual marketing that we're doing here, whether it be cold outreach, whether it be our speaker applications, we're sending more one-to-one communication. How do you think about the difference between this notion of email marketing being one-to-many as opposed to -to one-to-one?
2: I mean, that is definitely the advantage of email marketing because you have an email address and you can tie a lot of data to an email address. So not only do you have that data, but you have a way of following up. And so thinking about your campaigns as campaigns, first and foremost, to very specifically targeted people. And I like to think about it from a customer journey perspective. And like you mentioned, you might have some cold outreach. So you're thinking about the top of the funnel. Those goals and your tone are going to be a lot different than people who have already heard about you and maybe have filled out a form on your website. And so you can trigger a lot of campaigns based on where people are coming from, web pages they're viewing on your website. And if you get really fancy, you can get into context scoring, which can then give you a gauge of how warm your leads are getting. So you can follow up with them in emails. And people don't know that an email that might be a triggered automation or maybe a broadcasted message, how many people it's being sent to, right? They don't know how many people are on your list or that it's been designed to speak to a particular audience. What they are getting is that email in their inbox. And if you're very targeted and clear about what your goals are and how you want to help your audience achieve their goals, you can essentially follow up and direct people further down your funnel.
1: When you think about email as a marketing channel, there's very much a tie into some of the technologies that we use. You can go into your CRM and you can see what activity somebody has had on the websites or what form they came in or how long it's been since they completed events X, Y, and Z. And those can be triggers. You can batch people based on the information you have, uh, You know, build segments, and then you can do the sort of batch and blasts, just sending out emails to everybody to let them know you've got a new product launch or, or what have you. How do you prioritize or is there a sense of what's more effective? Is it triggered emails? Is it emails by customer segment? Is it just sending a high volume of emails? I know that's not the answers, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What's really the most effective email marketing strategy?
2: I see the highest conversions happen with a triggered automated campaign. And usually that's because it follows up on a specific behavior. So somebody's already given you signals about what they're interested in. You know that they are engaged right in that moment. And so you're following up with that really warm or hot behavior that they're showing you. But those have lower numbers than your larger email list. So those are sort of, I think about your more content oriented emails or quote unquote newsletters as really thinking about the people where you don't have a lot of data on them because you're not going to have a lot of data on every single contact you have. So having a regularly scheduled strategy around that is also really beneficial. And again, it also depends on your business. So I like to think about that customer journey and those automated campaigns first because they're always running in the background. They're going to give you really great data and then having your newsletters consistently sending. So that's really the key is consistent sends to your audience. And I tell people to think about sending at least once a week to keep your audience warm.
1: Yeah. It's funny. We just went through this exercise. I mentioned while we're in the process of rebooting our newsletter, that's really meant to be our nurture campaign. Honestly, we're doing the newsletter just because we feel like it's an important thing for creators to move across channels. And some people want to read and some people want to listen. And we don't want to cut off half of the MarTech industry because I'm a better speaker than I am a writer. So now we're starting to expand out. But we did also just launch a new sponsorship program where brands that want to stay in front of our audience can participate in being a guest on our show. We give them speaking priorities. We give them advertising. We give them a placement on our website as well. And we're selling our sponsorships for $500 a month. It's a new product we launched this past month. And the reason why I'm telling you about all of this is we had to go through an email marketing exercise where... We get inbound inquiries for people that want to be on the show, and we ask them if they're interested in our sponsorship campaigns. That's a triggered email. We also said, well, there's all the people that had already been our guests. There's already the people that had been our previous sponsors that instead of buying $500 a month worth of sponsorship, they were buying $20,000 a quarter, but they were only coming back once or twice a year. So moral of the story is we went through this exercise trying to figure out how to segment our audience. You know, knowing what you know about the MarTech podcast and about what I just told you with our sponsorship program, what would you tell us if we were doing it all over again? How would you segment the audience? Where would you be sending triggered emails? Where would you be sending uh, segmented emails?
2: So I tell people to first start with who are your major buckets of people. So for you, it'd be your potential sponsors, or people interested in sponsorship. So your past guests and people who have filled out a form on your website. So that would be one bucket of segment. And you can obviously even parse that out even more. So you've got current sponsors and former sponsors, right? And so you're going to speak to those audiences a little bit differently. And then you've got past guests who are potential sponsors. And then you've got your regular, maybe people who look like they would be a potential sponsor or just your average audience member. So thinking about it in those segments, because again, you have different goals for them. So that's really, really think about it first. Is like, what are your goals for your audience? Because that's going to inform who you're segmenting.
1: A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know. Sounds like we did some things right, where the segments that we worked on were previous sponsors first, then we reached out to previous guests, and then we reached out to people that we had conversations with about becoming a sponsor, and it didn't work out for one reason, or basically people that we rejected or rejected us. Well, hey, we've got a new offering. Maybe we're a fit now. We also have our triggered emails. Somebody comes in through our speaker application, and those are different copy Right. When somebody comes in from a speaker application, they are already saying, I want to be a guest on your show. When somebody is talking to us about sponsorship, they're thinking about marketing to marketers. Talk to me about how you write the right email copy for the right segment audience. And is there a difference between what we're calling a segmented audience and a a triggered email?
2: So it all goes back to goals, right? What are your goals for that particular segment? And what are their goals? So writing copy around that is always going to start with what is your reader's goal? What are they trying to accomplish or what pain point are they trying to avoid? And so making it about them first and what is the potential for them before introducing what your goal for them is helps warm them up and then helps you position what you want to help them achieve with your product or service. And really making that conversational. So I think about that, especially with those trigger campaigns and these sort of funnels because they tend to be geared towards these kinds of goals. As conversational, usually it doesn't have to be a beautiful email. It can just be a text, more of a letter format where you are addressing all of those things. Pain points, what they're trying to achieve, how your offer can be positioned to help them reach their goals. And then what's the next step for them to take? To help them achieve their goals and for you to help them do that
1: we had jordan crawford on our podcast he's one of our guest hosts and he does our go to market segment and jordan is always saying you need to talk to your prospects about the pain that they're in not specifically about what segment they're in and we always have this debate you know i start my emails assuming that this is a creator-led business. Part of it is introducing myself. Hi, I'm Ben. I'm the founder, host of the MarTech podcast. Here's some information about the show. And it looks like since you're in the MarTech 5000 list, you're trying to market to marketers. We've got an audience of them. We can help you reach them and stay in front of them. Here's our products and services. And so the question here is when you're writing your copy, How much of it are you focusing on getting right to the point of what your products, offers, and services are, and how much time are you spending relationship building or giving context for the reason that you're writing to them?
2: So it depends on how cold the audience is. If they've never heard of you before and you're reaching out to them, like you do need to give more context. But I always say, like, make it about them first. What's a common challenge that they experience? And I'm sure there's a common solution to that too, right? So make it about them first and what you know about them, and potential challenges, and then position yourself as a solution to that challenge, that pain point. There is a lot of debate on short form copy versus long form, and there is a time and a place for each. But especially with a colder audience, keeping it brief is going to be more helpful, because they don't know you. So you need to get to the point a little bit quicker. And that can be a lot harder being concise, can be a lot harder.
1: I think that's great advice. You have to take into consideration the context of how well your audience knows you, which dictates how much you need to focus on introductions and positioning before you get to the point. So talk to me about some common mistakes people are making when they're doing their email copywriting.
2: It's a common problem I see across a lot of businesses and not just in email, but especially with those triggered campaigns. And when you have data about something. I see people say like, we noticed you, whatever it was, or I saw that you were whatever it was. In the era of data-rich marketing, we know a lot about people before we reach out to them. And depending on your business, that can be creepy when people (laughs) are like, how did you get that information about me? And not everybody's like very savvy, right? And there are varying levels about digital privacy. But that can be really off-putting for some people. So that's another reason why I recommend starting with, here's a common problem that a lot of people struggle with. Here are the potential emotions behind that problem. And then let's talk about the solution to it. It makes it about them first. It makes it about you knowing them without saying, I'm watching you.
1: Yeah, I think that avoiding the creepy factor is something that can be very nuanced. In our email outreach... One of the things that we say is, Hey, we noticed that you're a member of Scott Brinker's Martech 5000 list. So, since you're marketing to marketers, you might have these problems. Knowing that somebody's on a list is not rocket scientist. That's not PII. And I think it adds credibility into why we are reaching out to them. On the other hand, if you're going to somebody and you're geotargeting, you might say, Hey, I noticed that you live at this address. Well, that's creepy. Instead, you could say we have lots of customers in this town and they've told us about this as a chronic problem, not specifically related to the data that you know about them. But inferring that people that are like them have a problem is a way to use the data that you have without expressly saying, hey, I know you visited our website 77 times and you visited the pricing page, you know, 46 of them. That means you're probably ready to buy you know, that information, you don't have to state it. You could say people that are on the fence about buying our product often want these questions answered and then go into solving the problem. Exactly. Emily, any other last words or any other things that people are generally doing wrong when they're writing their email copy or setting their email marketing strategies?
2: We covered a lot of it, but basically a lot of people don't think about setting goals. What is the goal of that particular email you're trying to send out? What are your target audience's goals? And then how are you making your content about them, more about them and less about you? Because that's how you build relationships.
1: Focus on what pain you're trying to solve for the people you're reaching out to. And I'll use a football metaphor here. You're not going to score a touchdown on every play sometimes three yards, maybe get a first down. That's a win. Hey, I'm introducing myself. We would like for you to check out our website, sign up for our newsletter instead of become our sponsor and pay us 10 to $20,000 or whatever your product or services is. Think about the micro tasks. You have someone's email address. You can reach out to them multiple times. And that's the beauty of email marketing. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Emily McGuire, customer evangelist at AWeber, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Emily and I are going to continue our conversation talking about building a quality email list. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Emily, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter, where her handle is Flourish and Grit, that's F-L-O-U-R-I-S-H-A-N-D-G-R-I-T. Or you can visit her company's website, which is aweber.com.